When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, we're like five years into our journey here at Tannin Aquatics and decades into the idea of playing with botanicals and leaves in the aquarium, and we have yet to really offer you a more focused, concise guide to utilizing uh, our favorite botanical environment in your aquarium, the leaf litter bed. And it's kind of funny because I, I thought about this the other day when I was um, when I was looking for ideas to talk about. And sometimes I, I write and sometimes I just start talking. And today's one of those days when I think I'm just going to start talking as opposed to doing a written blog simply because it's such a vast topic and I'm, at least I got to start somewhere. Now, we've talked about leaf litter beds over the years. I know that's something that um, that is sort of foundational, but the reality is I haven't seen a ton of aquariums that actually replicate this niche and it's most realistic fashion. So this is something I maybe want to give you a little background and encourage you to do this. I played with this a lot and I hope some of you will too. Now leaf litter beds are exactly what they sound like. They're accumulations of leaves which are either found underwater where they fall or they're swept into specific areas by currents, wind, or other weather events. Now at some point the leaves of deciduous trees which shed leaves annually uh, stop photosynthesizing in their structures and other meta- you know, metabolic processes within the leaves themselves start to shut down. And this triggers a process in which the leaves essentially pass off valuable nitrogen and other compounds to storage tissues throughout the tree so it can utilize that. Now ultimately the dying leaves sort of seal themselves off from the tree with a layer of spongy tissue at the base of their stalk and the dry skeleton falls off the tree. It's kind of an interesting process and as we know by now when these leaves fall into the water or are immersed following the seasonal rains in certain environments, they form a really valuable substrate for fungi to break down the remaining intact leaf structures. And the fungi population helps contribute to the bacterial population, which creates the now famous biofilms, which consist of sugars, vitamins, and various proteins, which many fishes in both their juvenile and adult phases utilize for supplemental nutrition. So there's a lot going on there. And of course, as the fishes eliminate their waste and the metabolic products, this further contributes to the aquatic food chain. Yeah, it all starts with a dried up leaf. And again, we've talked about food chains a lot lately, and it's something that we'll continue to talk about because I think it's a really interesting concept. So leaving leaves in to fully decay in your aquarium, like I do, likely reaches a point when the detritus, which is what they eventually turn into because they're shredded and, and so forth, when the detritus is essentially inert, and consists of the skeletonized sections of leaf tissue, which can really decay no further. So dead leaves contain largely inert forms of polysaccharides and are rich in structures like lignin and cellulose, all of which are utilized by various microorganisms and fungi along that food chain. So it's really an important kind of a a concept. And let's contemplate for just a second the role that leaf litter plays in natural aquatic ecosystems. Now, suffice it to say, the leaf litter bed is a surprisingly dynamic and one might even say rich little benthic biotope, and it's contained in an otherwise impoverished water. Black water is often considered impoverished because there's not a lot of 
organic nutrients in the water. And as we've discussed before, it should come in no surprise that the large and surprisingly diverse assemblage of fishes that make their home you know, within and adjacent to these leaf litter beds is something that just is astounding in these natural waters. There are sort of the analogous structure, I guess, would be reefs. They're kind of like coral reefs. They're little oases of food and shelter in an otherwise relatively devoid area of uh, area relatively devoid of food. The fishes aren't there just to look at all the pretty leaves. They're there to, to, to live. <laughs> now, many blackwater rivers are often called impoverished by scientists in terms of plankton production because they show little seasonal fluctuations in algal and bacterial populations. And this is a fact borne out by many years of study by science. However, impoverished doesn't mean devoid of life. And in many, pop, many cases, these populations of food organisms do form uh, and do vary from time to time and the fish along with them. And as we've discussed repeatedly over the past couple of years, there are so many benefits to placing leaf litter in our aquariums in some capacity that it's not even funny, whether it's for water conditioning, supplemental food, a home for specialty fishes, or simply for a cool-looking display. You know, we ha- part of it is we have to overcome our ingrained aesthetic preferences and accept the decomposing leaves as a natural, transitory, and altogether unique habitat to cherish in the aquarium. And it opens up so many unique, you know, possibilities. Now... Utilizing leaf litter in our aquariums uh, is almost a sub-hobby in and of itself. You can go with just a few leaves scattered here or there just to kind of get a feel for it. You can go crazy with a deep bed of leaf litter in your tank. Now, I periodically have discussed over the years and played with the idea of creating a really deep leaf litter bed in an aquarium to more accurately you know, represent some of the leaf litter beds found in the wild. And by deep, I'm talking about like 6 inches to 12 inches, which is... What about 15 and a quarter centimeters to about 30 and a half centimeters? Um, You know, that's pretty deep. And there are certainly deeper leaf litter beds in many of these tropical environments, several feet in depth. However, for practical aquarium display purposes, I think the rational upper limit might be like, you know, the 12-inch range, maybe a little bit more. Or is it? Now, there certainly is a difference between the theoretical and the practical, but I can't help but think that there is something beneficial about such a deep leaf litter bed, perhaps stuff we haven't even imagined because we're too busy talking about all the possible downsides of the idea all the time. And it's intriguing for me, you know, to contemplate how to make such an idea work. I mean, it isn't really all that much, you know, different than what we do now. The main difference being that we're using more of the same materials. In researching the idea of executing a really deep leaf litter bed in an aquarium, I thought about what would be the main considerations when attempting to create one. And in no particular order, here's kind of the main concerns that I have. Now, first of all, the ratio of leaves to water in a given aquarium could be quite significant. I mean, what size aquarium do you go with, right? I'm curious about the impact on the water quality and oxygen levels with that much decomposing materials in play. That's the the aquarist in me. I'm also concerned about the diversity of animals within the aquarium. Do you have fishes that are known to disturb bottom layers, like, you know, digging cichlids? Do you go mainly with kerosens? Do you go with, you know, danios, fishes that stay in the upper water column? Do you want to have a mix of fish just like you'd find in the wild? Do you want to have some cichlids that are maybe benthic in nature? I think there's a lot of factors to consider, and that's part of the fun of it. Of course, you'd probably be able to maintain fishes like the darter kerosens, fishes which spend a lot of their time in leaf litter, actually in the leaf litter, certain catfishes, and, you know, one of my favorite fishes, Cranucus spilurus, excuse me, the... um, 
Sailfintetra, which actually lives in the structures of leaf litter uh, quite commonly in the wild. So there's a lot of thought there that you can, you know, a lot of different schools of thought there as to how this would be managed and a lot of ideas and something we just have to flesh out, something we'll have to have a discussion about because I could just sit here and postulate all day long, but maybe a more dynamic conversation would be a lot of fun with this stuff. Now, how do you utilize leaf litter in the aquarium? I mean, obviously, the uh, the easiest, most straightforward approach is to simply add the stuff, you know, on top of your substrate. And, you know, whatever substrate you're using, whether it's sand, soil, gravel, whatever. The depth of, of course, is up to you, as we've just discussed. Uh, is If there's something that we can determine to be a classic approach in the botanical-style aquarium world, this is probably adding leaves. Then the other approach would be to utilize the leaves or leaf litter as the sole or you know primary substrate in your aquarium i've done this before and we talked about i've shared with you the the um, green neon tetra tank that i did and uh, a couple of other tanks i've executed utilizing that approach and it's worked very very well now obviously again that's something that's very different because you're in a situation where you're essentially your substrate is actually decomposing gradually so you're gonna have to replace it just like what happens in nature where the materials continuously are swept into the environment or fall from the trees, etc. So it's kind of an interesting approach. It almost forces a more natural process on us, which I think is kind of fascinating. Now, part of the, the decision you have to make when you're going to use leaves in the aquarium is how to add them, when to add them, what sequence, how much, etc. Now, when you're just starting out with a brand new aquarium, which has no established, you know, nitrification cycle, Go for it. You could put all your leaves in at one time, fill your tank, go through the cycle like that. Great. Obviously, the, the situation is a lot different when you have an established stable aquarium and you say, hey, I want to turn this into a leaf litter bed tank or a black water you know, tank with a leaf litter bed. You have to go slowly. We've talked about this hundreds of times over the years. You can refer to many blogs and podcasts that we've done where we've talked about the potential downsides of adding too much too quickly. Um, the potential to um, create a situation where uh, there's a high release of carbon dioxide. The nitrogen cycle is interrupted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These are all very real possibilities. I don't need to rehash them now, but for the sake of the discussion, it's something that you need to consider. Whenever you're adding any botanical material, it's considered bioload. It's something that your bacterial population has to react to, which is why, of late, uh, we we have been putting a lot of energy into developing products that are more suitable to help us manage botanical style aquariums both at the beginning and during the you know all phases of their life cycle uh life cycle excuse me and that's why we've come up with culture and nurture um which we have talked about briefly yesterday and we'll talk about more in the future because it'll help you manage these types of heavily laden botanical systems and i think it's important when we talk about leaf litter in the aquarium to really think about you know what the the advantages and disadvantages are. Well, of course, one of the advantages is that the leaf litter, as it decomposes, attracts all this material, fungi, um, biofilms, even microcrustaceans. I could see a scenario where you actually start your leaf litter tank and stock it with some microcrustaceans, paramecium, uh, you can get cultures of those, euglenids, daphnia, um, maybe even small freshwater shrimps. Lots of creatures that can help you know, work the leaf litter, so to speak. And I think that would create a very fascinating, very dynamic part of your aquarium. In fact, making the leaf litter the main focus of your aquarium would be really fascinating. I would love to see more hobbyists do that. And I think I would do go with a tank that's wide, shallow, 
um, has a lot of surface area for gas exchange and would be simply managed. The, one of the systems that I worked with lately is just basically a shallow aquarium about, I believe it's about eight inches deep uh, and about 10 inches wide or 10 inches wide. That would be an ideal tank, actually. It's like more like six inches wide, but something like that. Shallow and wide, a lot of surface area where you can go with a lot of leaf litter material on the bottom and literally make that the focus of the tank. Filtration would be something very, very minimal, maybe even just in one of those small internal filters or just a little hang on the back filter. Or one of the things I've been playing with lately is just using a surface skimmer, just one of those little inexpensive surface skimmers, about 20 or 30 US dollars to remove the surface film to facilitate gas exchange and no filtration. Uh, I know that's a little bit different. And, you know, adding your fish in there and managing the tank that way, water changes, you know, understocking, careful feeding. And I think that's a fascinating approach. It's something I've played with a couple times. I'm playing with it right now. And I think there's lots of different ways to manage that system over the long term. Perhaps utilizing floating aquatic plants to help take up some of the nitrogenous wastes. Um, again, the aforementioned water exchanges, light feeding, if any. If you're pre-stocking, that's the other idea that, that constantly goes through my head. And this is, again, it's a very stream of consciousness podcast today. Very unusual. Usually I kind of go off of but what I've written. I'm just sort of spitballing here. So forgive me if I'm repetitive or whatever. But the thing that I'm really fascinated by is the idea of letting the food come from within. So in other words, stocking your aquarium with a small amount of fishes to begin with, but having it stocked with a lot of leaves. And that leaves, perhaps again, pre-stocked with bacteria, paramecium cultures, microcrustaceans, etc., etc. Letting that multiply for a while, then adding the fishes letting the fishes just forage. Now, I've done it both with and without this pre-stocking approach, and it works very well. The green neon tetra tank I had set up for about 18 months resulted in two distinct spawning events in the aquarium, which is amazing. Obviously, I didn't try to collect the eggs because I wasn't kind of in that mode, but watching them behave like that is fascinating. I've done similar things with annual killifishes. I know that can be done. Right now, I'm doing a tank in my office that I sort of documented with uh, slowly but surely on Instagram, I'll start pulling it more into Facebook as well. But primary focus on that is a lot of wood and a little bit of leaf litter and very little filtration. So it's another concept that I am fascinated by is the potential for biological filtration, if you will, to take place within a leaf litter bed. And that, I mean, maybe denitrification. I have nothing but, you know, theory to go by. Um, I have not done any extensive lab-grade testing except for, you know, the routine water tests that we do. I find that these tanks have not cycled in the traditional sense where you have this long period of buildup of ammonia and nitrite and then nitrate. And I found that they've run remarkably stable. And from a pH standpoint, I've been able to manage these, uh, these aquariums in a very stable pH with just a thin layer of substrate, which helps perhaps buffer the water. But I haven't seen these, you know anomalous pH strike, you know, pH drops or any kind of a, an issue with that. So it's something that I think that we could definitely explore. And I'd like to see more of us play with the idea of a leaf litter only or leaf litter primary system. So it's something that obviously you can evolve a bit. You can do leaf litter and other botanicals. I've used twigs. I've done it with like oak twigs and roots instead of leaves and had very interesting results as well. Um, I've done it with just ground up botanicals, smashed up pieces of botanicals. I've used banana stem pieces. I've used the live oak leaf litter. I've used mangrove. 
Um, I've done it with just some of our ground up coconut core based material like substrato fino and uh, fundu tropical. There's a lot of ways of running a system that's substrate only, no hardscape. Now, there's aesthetics, of course, that come into play, and I know that that concerns a lot of people, but I'm talking about aquariums that are more designed for um, like the test bed kind of idea, not necessarily for aesthetics first. That being said, you might actually find that you really like the look of these sort of minimalist aquariums. Every time I've done one of these, people look at them and they say, this is amazing because it highlights the fishes. There's nothing more beautiful than an open-top aquarium with a bed of leaf litter, nothing else, and a school of beautiful colored fish like, you know, the green neon tetras. They just sparkle in that, you know, tinted water. So you can definitely produce aesthetic results as well while doing this sort of experiment. So what I'm getting at here in my typical long and meandering approach is try interesting shit like this. Don't be afraid to push the limits with this. We've got so much technique and so much experience in working with these materials that we don't need to limit ourselves by even going into a conventional you know, approach like we do within our hobby. It's funny I'm saying conventional, but the conventional approach of throwing a few leaves in here and calling it a day, you can go farther. You can do, again, all leaf litter, all botanicals, mixes. You can mix the stuff into the substrate. You can use these sedimented substrates that we're going to be coming out with. A lot of different things that that, uh, we can hope facilitate over the next few months that you can experiment with. I think you're really going to like the, um, the new substrates, particularly because I designed them to replicate the soils and uh, bottom materials you find in many of these habitats, especially with leaf litter, and they react well because they're nice and fine and the sediments, and they encourage the growth of fungal, uh, fungal growths, and they encourage bacterial growth, and they're good for microcrustaceans and worms and fishes to forage among. So that whole idea of creating a very rich, very realistic, not necessarily pristine environment is fascinating to me, and I think we're going to see more of that. Uh, hopefully from our community as we make more of these products available for you experiment with them as we get a little more daring here and showing you some of the things we're working with i think it'll be a lot of fun anyway i am meandering now because that's what i do but (laughs) for now we're going to cut this one off but i really appreciate you listening to my idea here today i just want to encourage you to play with leaves a little bit more they've sort of become an almost an afterthought in our scramble to try all the new botanicals that come out but there's something about leaf litter beds and the actual environment that i find fascinating we'll have uh Johnny and I talked with Ty Streitman again about these leaf litter beds. Maybe we'll have Mike Tucanardi again, who's they've spent extensive time in these South American leaf litter environments, and they can give some unique insights about the you know, life history of these habitats and the fishes that live there. And I think we'll get a lot of good information again that we could pull in and use in our aquarium work. So it's a very exciting time. A lot of original thinking coming into play now, and I'm, I'm very excited about the work many of you have been doing. Let's keep it up. Stay bold, stay excited, stay creative, stay engaged, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for putting up with me and my meandering today, and I'll see you on the next installment of The Tin.